Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Again, everyone, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Facillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Today, we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Ben Akers, who is the Chief Content Officer at the Augustine Institute. And we're going to be talking about a very important topic which is reinvigorating Catholic education, all right? Now, we're not going to beat up on all the Catholic schools out there. All right, maybe we will a little bit, all right? Um, but maybe they deserve to get beaten up a little bit to kind of wake up, to be reinvigorated. At some point, and I don't think anybody would, this is not a controversial statement, Catholic education is not what it used to be. And we need to get back to that very high standard of excellence that, that Catholic education, even amongst non-Catholics, was known for. And this is one of the things that we're going to get into today. Ben Akers is is in the middle of doing that, okay? And uh, so this is going to be a great conversation. For those of you who don't know, Dr. Ben Akers is, the, like I said, the chief content officer at the Augustine Institute, which serves the formation of Catholics through academic and parish programs. He oversees formed.org, the premier Catholic streaming service, the Amen app, the free Catholic prayer and meditation app and the word of life K through eight curriculum project. He is also the associate professor of theology at the Augustine Institute graduate school of theology, teaching classes on scripture, catechesis and Christian discipleship. Now he previously served as director of the Denver Catholic biblical school and catechetical school in the archdiocese of Denver, helping it grow into the largest and most comprehensive diocesan Bible study program in the United States he received his doctorate in sacred theology at the Pontifical University of St. Thomas Aquinas in Rome, where he studied for five years while also directing an undergraduate study uh, study abroad program with his wife. And he and his wife are blessed with three daughters and two sons. Dr. Ben Akers, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe, brother. Thank you, Joe and Joe. I appreciate uh, being here. And thanks for having yeah. me on. Absolutely. It's awesome to have you. So with that, um, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Resinello, and we'll get we'll have a great conversation. Dr. Akers, we always start with a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful, mother of the word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us, amen. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, Ben, obviously, um, you're an educator. I mean, it comes right down to that. Joe's, you know, read that extensive bio. You, you know, done a lot of different things. What's your assessment of where we're at in America right now? You probably have a very good finger on the pulse. Where are we excelling? Where are we lacking? Uh, the average guy in the pew, too. We're not talking about like, you know. Uh, the daily communicant or like the trad family with 12 kids. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about the average guy in the pew who works at UPS. He's got three kids. He goes to church on Sunday. 
Well, I'm very optimistic about where Catholic education can be headed, especially with our project that we're going to be talking about today with our Word of Life K-8 curriculum with our partners at Ignatius Press. But what I'd say first and foremost is you know, we've untethered ourselves from the meaning of education, if I'm just going to speak globally for a second, and then dive into Catholic education, is we've untethered ourselves from actually what's the goal of education. The the word education comes from, I'll go professor mode here for a second, comes from two Latin words, ex ducere, to lead out. And uh, what comes to mind might be Plato's allegory of the cave, if that comes to people's mind, where there's people locked in a cave in darkness, and they're looking at images on that are being projected on a wall. Sounds like a TV, right, and a movie theater. And the the person who gets free and, and is unchained and runs outside, he's like, no, the real world's out here. And the person comes back and tries to convince everybody, like, this is darkness. We're stuck in the cave. The true world, the light is coming on the outside. So education is meant to lead out to the light. And so the idea is that people that are trapped in ignorance or error are able to be brought to truth and enlightened in their intellect. And that's the goal of education. Whether or not we're hitting that, that's the, you know, the conversation we can have. Now, Catholic education in particular, though, Right. So I, I say for globally, are we are we producing uh, students in our K through eight curriculum or K through 12, sorry, K through 12 programs around the United States of America? Are we producing people that are being brought from error into truth or actually being brought from error into maybe more confusion and distortion of what the world is? If if we live in a relativistic culture, which we do, as Pope Benedict XVI of happy memory said, the dictatorship of relativism is is ruling now. People, we're, we're drawing people to say, well, that's your truth, right? This is what our society says. This, that's your truth. It's not a real truth. So um, are we bringing people to truth? In Catholic education in particular, though, we add – we always do everything in Latin. It just sounds better as Catholics, right? Which <laughs> It sounds more important. So ex ducere, to lead out, ad auliad, to another. So the goal of Catholic education is to lead someone out to meet another, which that other is Christ. And so the whole point of Catholic Christian education is to educate on every subject, be, see it as a sign of pointing to how can I better understand Christ to build up my own charity to the love of God and love, and love of neighbor as well. So uh, Dr. Ben Akers is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Rosinello. We're talking about reinvigorating Catholic education. So how is this idea, Ben? Uh, how was this born? What are the origins of it? Uh, you know, this is a collaboration between the Augustine Institute, Ignatius Press. Give our audience, like, where where did it come from? Yeah, so it's, it's a brand new initiative for us. So we're still in process of writing the K through eight curriculum. We've released K through five. We're working on six through eight now. Um, we're looking at the landscape over the last fifty years, from 1970 to about 2020. Uh, there was a 34 percent increase of Catholics in the United States. That's wonderful news. We have more Catholics that are in the United States. However, at the same time, we're increasing Catholics. There's a strong decline, decrease of people attending Catholic schools. And we look at the Catholic school education system over the last 100, 150 years plus, and it doesn't seem like we're producing students that are any different than the world. Right. It looks like almost like a public school sometimes. Again, I'm just speaking globally. I'm just making broad statements. There are exceptions. I think it's accurate, though. yeah, no, thanks. And I think that this is we're producing, you know, what makes us look different as a Catholic school than the public school? Oh, we wear uniforms, but not even at public schools that wear uniforms or we teach virtue or, you know, what insert in whatever makes us distinctive. And I think we could debate about whether or not we've been distinctive in that. And so we saw with our partners at Ignatius Press, these great editor, editors and publishers of great Catholic books and even the Faith in Life series, if, if our listeners are uh, familiar with that, the great Faith in Life series. 
And we were producers of Signs of Grace, which was our curriculum to help people for first confession, little kids for first confession, first communion, and then if restored order for confirmation, that's second or third grade. We have a curriculum that was very successful and well-received in the parishes because we brought a different kind of pedagogy to it. We brought some of that innovation that we will try to be known for at the Augustine Institute. We have the tried and tested Ignatius Press as our partners, as the publishers. And so it was really a conversation between Dr. Tim Gray, the president of the Augustine Institute, and Father Fessio and Mark Brumley, the editor-in-chief and the president of Ignatius Press. They had a conversation uh, a couple summers ago when they were meeting, and they said, you know what, we should combine and do a curriculum. And that's the fruit, uh, is the word of life. Just as a quick follow-up, Ben Akers, um, why the need? Joe and I don't beat up on people here. Then let me let me say okay, but we offer some legitimate criticism, and Catholic education in America is, is ripe for some legitimate and constructive criticism. Why is why are Catholic institutions? I think of two in particular: Notre Dame and Georgetown, and there's others. Why are you adopting the ways of the world? Notice, why is it that we have to take? You mentioned the pedagogy, the education <laughs> establishment. Oh well, that well coming down to money for anybody who could see Joe Arsenola moving his fingers together talking about money. I get it. But leaving that aside, but like, like I don't want this 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 John Dewey no, uh, idea of education in Catholic schools. I don't want that pedagogy, even if you wanted to, you know, exalt it to the level of calling it a pedagogy. I don't want that in the Catholic schools. If the secular schools want that, is one thing. Why are you the 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 standards of of Catholic higher education? Okay, in America, you talk about Notre Dame and Georgetown. Okay, adopting what the world says. When you're supposed to be following Christ, talk about that a little bit, Ben, if you don't mind. No, that's yeah, Jesus says he called us to be as Christians, uh, lights of the world and salt of the earth. And so, salt is different. Salt adds flavor to the thing in which you're eating because it's different than the thing that it's being added to. And so, we should be distinctive light to shed light on all the darkness. A great image for, especially regards to education. So we shouldn't be, be like the world. We can take best practices, right? I, you know, a lot of what we do here at the Augusta Institute is taken from best practices in the business world for how to run a company, to run the apostolate effectively. But you're right. We have a great tradition in the Christian and Catholic faith to of of ways to communicate the faith to the next generation and to form them. And we wanted to be so much like the world, again, broad statements, but we want to be so much like the world because everyone likes to be liked. That's just a given. Everyone likes to be liked by the world and likes to be accepted by people. It's hard to be different. It's hard to be different on things that are difficult and that are distinctive, like the church's teaching on divorce and remarriage uh, without annulment, the, the church's teaching on uh, who can attend, who can receive communion or not, or church's teaching on just marriage. Right now we're, you know, I, I joke with my students that we're going back to chapters one through three of, of Genesis. The things that we thought we didn't need to reveal that God created, that God created them male and female, that there are there is a male, there is a female, and they should that they should uh, multiply and be fertile and multiply. These are things that uh, <laughs> these are things that were givens before in just natural society that are no longer given. So now it actually makes sense why God had to reveal them. We're we're going very back to the garden. So I'd say that there is a tendency in human nature to want to be like the world and the fallenness of us doesn't want to be. 
doesn't want to cause ripples, you know, to in, into um, society. We so do, Ben. That's guess. what we do on this show. <laughs> but that's good. Stir it up. We need to stir it up. We need prophetic. We need the prophetic office of the church to be bold in this and say this hasn't worked. And I think all the data, as you're getting at, Joe, all the data proves that what we're putting out from the output of Catholic schools are we're producing kids that are like the world. We want to produce saints, right? We don't need to produce many theologians. No, no, that's not the goal of anyone. We do need to produce sons and daughters, children of God. And that's the goal of Catholic education is to give people a distinctive worldview that is formed by Catholic principles. Yeah, but but too bad. That's not going to include a lot of the things that we don't like as Catholics or we reject as Catholics. And that's what the world tells you, you know, you have to, you know, you have to do. Um, and I'm glad you yes. brought that up. Joe Racinello brings it up on the show all the time. We're not supposed to be producing um, people who are successful, even though if you stick to Catholic principles, you will be successful in life and have a family and be able to get a good job and all that fun stuff. But but prioritizing what you will be is you'll be grounded in the faith. You'll you'll lead a moral life. You'll look at the world through ob- through the objective lens of of Christian morality rather than, as you mentioned, Ben Akers, the dictatorship of relativism. Quick comment, and then I'm going to hand it over to Joe. I saw you were about to comment on it. Yeah, yeah. I just want to say that's exactly right, that this is the errors of our age in which we live are easy to point out morally. Like these are moral failings of people. But the real wounds of our age are intellectual. It's a, the wrong way of look, looking at the world. And so that's why we wanted to enter into the education, that we're an educational apostolate, but in particular, those ages of K through eight, because this is where these young minds are being formed and the chance to put a, a Christian Catholic worldview into their eyes. Absolutely. Ben Akers is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're discussing reinvigorating Catholic education. Man, if there's a need for something in this country, I think it's a game changer. Me personally, I'm not for our generation. Obviously, we're going to be. But I think with the next couple of generations, if we do this and put this in place, along with other things, that'll save America because Joe and I are convinced America's finished. OK, you want to save it? Let's get back to first things. Let's get back. Let, let's get back. Let's get back to principles. Joe Resinello. Dr. Akers, I mean, I'll be honest. I just want to break down like where we come from. I went to Catholic school. Um I'm the son of a barber. Joe's the son of a teamster. Um, I went to a Catholic high school where it produced partners at law firms, doctors, and also plumbers in the same school. My kids go to school. I got five kids. It costs a fortune. I live 10 miles outside of New York City. A fortune. I live in a box because I send my kids to Catholic school. I believe in it. It's clearly better. I went to public school, too. I I have a a perspective on both. I believe in it. With that said, it's too much money. This has to be, we've had these conversations with people. When I went, there were religious there. I get it. If we are going to change the country and make it Catholic, we have to make it affordable. You see, notice what the public education system is doing now. They're forming people in gender ideology in same-sex marriage? They are. Let's be real. That's what's going on. From Hawaii to California, from Hawaii to New Jersey, rich schools, poor schools. If we're serious as a church, it's not just the privilege. I'm a professional person. I work at a bank. My father, like if the family that I was can't send their kid to Catholic school, I just got a tooth fixed. I was talking to the dental hygienist. She's like, I wish I could 
send my kid to Catholic school. I have three. I can't. It's not just for privileged people. By the way, most of the people that go to the schools that Joe and I went to in high school, they want their kids to be bankers. They don't care. Ben, when I when when, when Joe That's and I were straight the same up, age, I'm just telling back, you the deal. Back in the '80s, okay, when I I grew up in Newark, all right, um, and a lot of kids from Newark went to Seton Hall Prep, okay, in 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 that area. Kids from Belleville, kids from Nutley, kids from Bloomfield, okay, they came from all over Essex County. I didn't go to school with many rich kids. I, I there were some of them whose families were wealthy, okay, suburban Essex County. Most of them were were kids like me. You know what I mean? Like if my, you know, like and and sons of 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 uh, so all boys school, sons of blue collar workers. Joe's making a very good point. I if I was I'm in Arizona now. If I was in New Jersey, okay, I could not afford Seton Hall Prep. I couldn't. Grand my father, year. my father was able to. His friends were able to. My friends, their fathers who were all blue collar, they were able to. Seton Hall Prep's about eighteen grand a year now, and guess what? I could not afford to send my son there. So I, I'm glad Joe brought that up. What are your thoughts on that, Ben? I, I think you're hitting on a, a really big problem in the church has to think about and wrestle with. I agree. This is a – we need to take the long view as a church. We have to know that formation is happening no matter what, as you mentioned, Joe, that the idea is that form, they're getting formation in either public school, Catholic school, where, charter school, whatever you want to but, – but they're also getting uh, formation on TikTok and social media. This is real formation. People go to YouTube to get Joe Rogan's perspective on something. They go to YouTube to get you know Ben Shapiro's you – know, insert – insert TV personality or your YouTube personality, everyone's getting formation. And so the Catholic church as a whole really should, and it always has valued education. So, you know, full stop, it is always valued education, but really to take the long view of, we really do need to invest in the future, right? Left, right, whatever we are on the spectrum, political spectrum. The idea is that knowledge is power. The idea is that if you form these young minds, this will change the way that they live the rest of their life. And you create opportunities for them that they've never had, like as you, both of your stories are indicate as well. So I'd say that how, what's the solution? I think that we need our bishops to think, you know, and, and educators, we need forward thinking uh, principles. We need forward thinking uh, administrators to, uh, and, um, uh, at the diocesan level to think, how could we restructure our system to get as many people here as possible? And our, uh, I'm in the Archdiocese of Denver, and we have a wonderful administration, and we have wonderful – and I know that they're talking about these things. They're coming up with plans. They have some great tuition assistance. Uh, they go to the donors, and they say, look, we know this is important. Can you help us lower the tuition rate? You know, there's always the rate of what it costs to actually educate the child and then what the tuition rate that's listed. And there's usually a, a major gap between those two. And we've had very generous donors fill that. Other dioceses have found effective in a tithing program. Um, I can't list them off the top of my head where the idea is Grand Rapids is one. Grand Rapids, okay. And I think somewhere in Kansas as well, maybe, that the idea is that if you're giving – Wichita, if you're giving money to the parish, if you're a tithing member of the parish, and I don't know how they – validate that or check that then your uh, school for your children is is free see that's a touchdown because it, it, it's it has to be a priority the secular schools they get it we're always behind ben i'm catholic listen i'm gonna i was born catholic i'm gonna die catholic i might die sooner than you because i got a big mouth to be honest with you <laughs> and i'll be honest too it kills me we're always behind we have the smartest people in every room we go into, yet we're behind. And that's and not an exaggeration. Killed. 
No, I yeah. agree with that. I agree with that. That we have we have very intelligent people. We have very mission oriented people too. We have people that are passionate, like you guys, about the faith and communicating the faith and being creative in how to communicate the faith. And that's what we're trying to do as well at the Augustine Institute is really to to be forward thinking in that. But you you meet a lot of resistance, right? There's just there's the people tend to apathy and indifference. And we've been bogged down. We've been beaten by the culture. We feel like it's overwhelmed. You know, whatever. However, people are feeling. We need to rise above those things. We need to hold, ask the Holy Spirit to come down upon us, give us this new kind of Pentecostal vision. Pentecost, in the sense of the Acts two Pentecost, this evangelical vision of of what can we do to be forward thinking and not just be re- reactive. Well, yeah, and, and and that's the thing. And we also have to take our gloves off, okay? Especially when it comes to those who who already have their gloves off, like the teachers' unions, okay? Joe and I, I want, to tell you, I want your comments on this, Ben. I promise we won't get you in too much trouble here at the front line with oh. Joe and Joe, okay? In the city of Newark, New Jersey, there is one of the best Catholic high schools in the nation, St. Benedict's Prep. Okay, everybody knows St. Benedict's Prep is the is still the standard of excellence in 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 uh, in high school education. Okay, and the state of New Jersey, and oh, and down the block is Central High School. Okay, the difference is at St. Benedict's Prep. Okay, ninety nine percent of the students go to college, one hundred percent graduate. All black and brown kids from that area, mostly black. Okay, because it's down in the central ward of Newark. At Central High School, 20% of the kids or 30% of the kids graduate and nobody goes to college. Okay. Central High School costs the state of New Jersey $28,000 per student. And you gotta tell me that you can't write a check as as a as a as let's say a, a state government. You'll write the check for 28 grand to send that send those kids to that broken down school that's gonna do nothing for them. And you won't give that same parent a check for ten grand to send them to St. Benedict's or Seton Hall Prep or Essex Catholic or any of these other schools. Okay, Ben, I want your comments on that because that to me is infuriating. Because that's a that's a matter of simple math. It benefits the parent, benefits the kid, benefits the taxpayer. It's a win-win. The only people it doesn't benefit is the teachers' unions. Okay, and the education establishment. I love your comments. No, let on me that. just piggyback off that. And why are Catholics supporting politicians that's that do that? You see, again, I'm not we're not a political church. We're a church of right and wrong. That's unjust. Why should a poor kid that comes from a low income zip code be imprisoned in a life of poverty, even if they have an intellect? You see, that is a crime of it's an injustice. Yet we as a church, we don't open our mouth. We don't open our mouth. And it's frustrating, to be honest with you. I don't understand how we're not on board. Like, because it's it's unbelievable. Right. Ben, love your comments on that. No, the, you know, you guys are hitting on a real, really big problem that we have. And I think it's a, it's a systemic problem of our approach as a nation to education. Um, we also have, you know, uh, voucher programs have not been successful here in Colorado and every year, every other year, they seem to keep coming up and it seems like it's going to pass and doesn't pass to kind of, to help kind of, you know, put the money where the, we think the success of the program is. We know capitalism works as the, as they said, it's like, if this school works, it's successful. If parents want to send their kids to St. Benedict's and would rather not send them to Central, 
let's see what ben, you know, the, the open-minded person would say, what is St. Benedict's doing that we're not doing? How do we raise the bar at our particular school to match what's successful? And I think people just don't want to ask those honest questions because uh, it's easy, you know, as what St. James says in his letter, you know, we really want like three square meals and a warm bed. That's sometimes all people want, you know, so they think it's working fine. It's not broken. Let's fix it. And I think we have to start asking questions. It is broken. There are things that are broken. And we, as you guys are very passionate about, and I love it, is we need people to speak out, as I said, prophetically about to the culture, say, why are we voting these particular politicians in who aren't supporting what education is, is truly about? That's right. And, 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 and on that level, too, um, and again, I'm not I'm not beating him up. But Cardinal Dolan tried this in New York. Now he didn't. He wasn't fighting for vouchers, which I think is what we need to fight for. Okay, not just the tax credit, because the tax credit doesn't cover the even a fraction of the cost of that education. You need the voucher. But having said that, at least at the time, I mean, we all bishops in America should take a little lesson from this. Okay, and he was stabbed in the back by Andrew Cuomo. He was told he was going to get an audience. He was going to be listened to. He was trying to get a tax credit so that those Catholic families already would have benefited others also. But in his case, uh, Catholic families could write that off or at least a portion of it from their taxes. He got stabbed in the back. You, you can't fight on that. You can't go hat in hand to the politicians. You have to force them by argument, by persuasion, by doing a little math. OK, you have to force them and shame them is what you have to do. And the bishops are, are in a unique position to do that. See, they're smart guys. OK, no question about it. Whatever anybody problems that people have with the bishops, they're pretty smart. OK, get out there and ahead of this and do what you us three are doing right now. Lay out the case and put the screws to them to have to actually step up and educate these kids. To me, you know. Ben, let me tell you something. When if you're a person in the New Jersey state government that's content with that with that 13 year old black kid going to Central High School instead of a school like St. Benedict's, and you you enabled that to happen, then then God have mercy on your soul as far as I'm concerned. Because as Joe said, you're 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 trapping that kid in poverty for the rest of his life because that school is going to do nothing for him, nothing at all. Quick comment, Ben, and then we're going to take a break, and then we'll talk more about your program on the other side. Sure. Thanks. I, I'd say that I don't. I'm not. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm in Colorado, so I'm not familiar with the the politics up in New York and New Jersey. But the principle behind what you're saying is true and sound, and that is the bishops are in a unique position to be the teachers of the faith and to be shepherds, and to not just be administrators. Sometimes they have those skills too, but to really be prophetic and say what what is in society that is not working, and where does the the gospel the Light of the gospel need to shine brightly on these especially dark issues like we're talking about with education. So I'd say that I, I completely agree with the idea that the bishops need, you know, are in a unique position to be teachers of the faith and to help educate their faithful, you know, through their priests, through programs, however they want to get the message out, go to the politicians as well and have these audiences. But to really encourage the faithful is like where whatever it is, if it's immigration, if it's the homeless, it's you know, education is what we're talking about. But where is the light of Christ meant to shine? on these dark places and what can the catholic church bring to help solve these problems absolutely ben acres let me tell you something we have the proverbial bully pulpit okay and the usccb has a lot more power than i think they give themselves credit for and they should start flexing their muscles because their muscles are are, are, are pretty good if they if they would just start using them again um especially on this issue 
on this issue. Dr. Ben Akers is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're talking about reinvigorating Catholic education. Ben, I will tell you this. Here in Arizona, you mentioned about, let's say, trying to be creative, okay? The charter schools here, okay, uh, get money from the state, okay? Because they don't have, a, the teachers unions don't have a hammerlock here in Arizona as they do in New Jersey, in New York, and other places, okay? And the charter school that my wife is a uh, teacher at and that my son goes to, okay, if you wanted the model for Catholic education, they've adopted the model of Catholic education and applied it to the charter school, okay? Um, and all they require, aside from the money they get from the state, is a contribution from the parents, or they recommended contribution that comes out to no more than, let's say, a couple grand a year. And guess what their level of education is? Right up here. It, it's an it's a good example of, of, of being creative, as you mentioned earlier. Dr. Ben Akers joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial. Ben, real quick before the break, where can our audience members find out, uh, wh whether it's website, social media, where can they find out more about what you guys have going on? Sure. So they could go to wordoflifeseries.org. Wordoflifeseries.org is where you can find about our K-8 curriculum. And then augustininstitute.org. We do many things, as you mentioned, with Formed and the Amen app as well. But wordoflifeseries.org. All right. And this is a great and important conversation for all of you out there at the, listening to us at the front line with Joe and Joe. So stick around. We have another great segment with Dr. Ben Akers. Catholic Radio works. And now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello. We are way in the breach. And Joe, when you're discussing education in America, not just Catholic education, you know you're in the breach, brother. So we have Dr. Ben Akers on the show joining us, uh, and we are discussing reinvigorating Catholic education. Ben is the chief content officer at the Augustine Institute. Joe Racinello. Ben, the Augustine Institute has a great reputation. So does Ignatius Press. We we talk to folks from there constantly. Um I want you to tell me what this curriculum is all about. Like, what makes it different? You're looking to form saints. I want to say this. It's the first curriculum that the bishops are behind it, which makes me so happy to be completely truthful with you. And we love this conversation because ultimately in life, I mean, this is this goes against what Americanism preaches. Ultimately, the goal of life is to get into heaven. It's to get into heaven. And part of the reason why our society is we'll use will be kind, it's misguided, it's misdirected, is because that isn't the goal. We're looking to build our castle here. That's Catholics too. We have to look to go to heaven. And it starts with education. What are you doing in that curriculum to get that focus in these kids' heads? Because ultimately, I got five kids too, Ben. They're young. What's going on out there isn't working. I say this to my wife all the time. It's straight up and down not working. These kids are getting eaten alive, even the smart ones, sometimes even more so. They think they went to some fancy school. They got some fancy job. Okay, we'll see how good you do. 
when you get out there and start making bad decisions. The church is guiding us not only to heaven, but to a good life, a fruitful life. How is your curriculum differentiating itself from others? That's a great question. The uh, the recent poll, I'll start with a recent number of, of Catholic parents, random sampling of Catholic parents that were asked if they would send their kids to a Catholic school. The number one reason, 89% of the respondents to this poll said they wanted to choose a Catholic education because of the quality of religious education that they would get at a Catholic school. So parents are choosing Catholic schools because they think they're getting the Catholic faith taught to them. Now, as you said, so where's the problem? Where's the breakdown? Is that so much of our Catholic schools have adopted a worldly pedagogy, a worldly approach to education, where, as you mentioned, John Dewey, uh, John Dewey's goal was to make good American citizens, right? That was one of his goals, compliant American citizens out of the education system. We're saying, no, we want to make good citizens, but as Philippians says, our citizenship is in heaven. So we want to prepare the young people by enlightening their mind and enkindling their heart with love for our Lord and for others, to this citizenship which will last forever, which is in heaven. This is the training ground. This is the prologue to get there. And so what makes our program distinctive is we're bringing our innovative approach here at the Augustine Institute. Our goal is we're an educational apostolate that tells God's story. We believe God's word is true. The very first temptation that Adam and Eve faced in the garden was what? Did God say a doubting of God's word? And so much of education, even religious education, is getting people to not believe that God revealed himself, that God is good, that God revealed himself, that God has a plan. And our goal is telling God's story, as revealed in, in divine revelation and sacred scripture and a sacred tradition, is to get people excited that, that you have a story, God has a story, God has a story for your life. And one of the ways we do that is we're very scripture-based, we're very scripture-focused. And so every lesson will begin with a story from scripture. And we're trying to introduce the young kids to the, the heroes and the heroines of Old Testament and New Testament figures. One of the other things that makes us distinctive is we also have stories from the saints because these are our older brothers and sisters in the Catholic faith who are heroic in living out and creative in living out faith, hope, and charity, the, the three theological virtues that God gave us as kind of the equipment by which we need to navigate this difficult uh, society in which we live. And then we also have stories, especially the K through five curriculum. We have stories from Paul McCusker. Paul McCusker is a master storyteller. If you've heard of Focus on the Family and Adventures in Odyssey, he was key to making those radio dramas very successful, converted to the Catholic faith. And, and Tim Gray met with him and said, let's do this for the Catholic world. And so it creates stories of, you know, that engage. So if we're talking about the virtue of justice, the story that the kid, you know, will teach about the virtue of justice, will show a scripture story that illuminates justice and a that live justice, but then the story of these little kids that they get to know, Nick and Sam, and the the world of Ho and Gabriel and Hope Springs is kind of the this, the fictional town in which they live. Uh, they have a story where there's a just act can be done or not done. As we try to reinforce the lesson, each each chapter, each unit, by showing it where it's rooted in God's story, where a saint. You know, some contemporary you know, heroes and heroines, some, you know, from you know, 1800 years ago, from 2000 years ago, but they get to know part of our tradition and history that way. 
but then they actually get to a story that's really engaging them to actually put themselves in the scene and what would I do in this in this story? So that's one way we do it, I think, is that this, this approach that we take in every chapter. We're also using what's called the ecclesial method. Most programs use some kind of way of you're proclaiming the faith, you're exposing a particular teaching of the faith, and so you'll find that throughout. That's a time-tested and, tr- and uh, method that's especially taught by uh, Franciscan University of Steubenville of how to engage people and, and uh, teach them aspects of the faith. Uh, and then we also are using our video programs. So our, our Augustine Institute Studios, which you may be familiar with, shows Forgiven, Presence, the programs that we do. They're giving us videos that supplement what's being taught in the textbook. Um, so that'd be one one distinctive feature about our program and our approach to, to teaching. Awesome. Dr. Ben Akers is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're discussing reinvigorating Catholic education. So here's a topic, uh, Ben. Uh, obviously, in the last, I think it's even more pronounced now, got a lot of parents are fed up. You know, the, you know this Internet thing, this interweb, OK, um, could be pretty bad, could be pretty dangerous, but it's a useful tool if used properly. And one of the things we're seeing is uh, particularly in light of what happened with uh, during COVID, is parents are getting a, a little bit of a wind of what's going on in, in, their, in their schools. And they're going to the school boards, and they're a little cheesed off, and that's putting it nicely, okay? So the movement, it seems, is towards homeschooling, okay? Now, obviously, a lot of parents cannot do that. Either they're, either they're not equipped um, to do that because they're not teachers, or they 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 just they don't have the time. They have to go out and go to work. Okay. However, there there are a lot of people that are moving towards homeschooling. How does the, your program benefit those who are seeking to homeschool their kids? Yes, and and, and my wife and I find ourselves in this uh, bucket as well. So we center we have a great Catholic school. It's a cl- classical Catholic schools run by a graduate of the Augustine Institute. Many of the teachers there are graduates of our graduate program here in Denver, Colorado, and uh, we loved it. It's our Lady Lord's School, if you want to look it up. They, it, it was so popular, they had to start a South Campus, too. They have the North Campus, South Campus, loved it, and still love it. Uh, but when COVID hit, everyone became a homeschooling family, <laughs> and we discovered what were being said in certain classrooms. We we were just confirmed in all the wonderful things that our kids were learning in the program. But what we discovered was homeschooling was, so we have five kids ages 12 to four. And what we discovered was we had some learning challenges in our family. And so homeschooling actually was, was a great experience for us to really focus on our uh, kids that have some learning challenges. Um, And we, so how does word of life affect that is we've designed word of life in such a way that it can be used as a parish program. So if you have a religious education program or CCD, sometimes it's called on the East Coast, um, where you can use our K-8 curriculum. We've designed it in such a way that if you have a parish 60-minute plan per week or 90-minute plan per week, we have the curriculum for you. We've also built that out to be a school program, so the five-day-a-week Catholic school program. So we're trying to be as versatile and flexible as we can. So I think families at homeschool could find themselves in that situation. If they don't want to do religion every day, you can. We have the 60-minute lesson. If you want to spread it to two times and do 90 minutes a week, we have that. If you want to do it every single day, we also have the the five-day-a-week plan. So we're trying to be as flexible as we can, knowing that everyone's situation is different, um, and you know, and that you have to do what's best for your own children and and even each each family and each child. It was well, as I'm discovering as they start to go through the grades, is each child's different in what kind of education plan is going to work best for them. But that to answer the question is, we've designed it in such a way as to be flexible that could be used parish school and even homeschooling that's great that's great joe resinello 
And what, how do you uh, incorporate the sacraments into this program? Because I think that's very key. I think something that um, I, I could speak for myself, which was very you know influential in my growth in my journey as a Catholic, was adoration. Um, also, understanding the need for the sacraments, the need. It's not even like a, an option. It's it's basically food for the journey. We need the sacraments. Praying the rosary. I think as a church, we talk to a lot of people, Ben, honestly. Um, and I my, my takeaway from a lot of these conversations, we got to get back to basics. I went to, just to give you some background, I went to a Catholic high school, Christian Brothers High School. I went to a Jesuit college. I went to a Jesuit graduate school. I got a pretty good education. You know, I've done pretty well in my life. I'm not rich, but, you know, me and my wife make our way. I never learned the rosary. I did not know what adoration was. How is that possible? How I, I hope the Pope hears what I just said. I really do. How is that possible? We have to get back to basics. How are you guys bringing those basics into the curriculum? Yeah, no, I completely agree with you that we need to get back to basics, and we really need to teach our children the things which worked for the saints of the past, the things which worked rosary, regular confession, Eucharist, you know, attending mass, and and if we can, a daily mass, or you know, one extra day per week, or you know, and and create those lists and, and age appropriate and challenge the students. And what we're doing is we're looking at the curriculum and we're trying to introduce what's age appropriate to each student. So especially what you're going to see through K through eight program is because we're such a scripturally based apostolate because we believe in the Word of God, is that we're teaching the children Lexia Divina. We're teaching them how to pray Scripture. This is we we know that if they create a disposition of listening to the Lord, then they'll be open to his will in their life. They won't, you know, they'll actually do the things that the Lord wants them to do, the great things the Lord has in store for them. So Lexio Divina is incorporated in, in every lesson that we have as part of our curriculum. So I was introducing the saints, but then the pious, devo the pious devotions, as you mentioned, uh, the regular devotions, they're introduced to the rosary. They're introduced to, we encourage the, the, the teacher to bring them to adoration and these other things as well. So what we do is we, we, we lay it out and the bishops have been very responsive. As you mentioned, the, we're, we're the first of many that hopefully that will be our part of this accompaniment process is what's called is what the bishops are calling it, where instead you would write a book of curriculum and you hand it over to the bishops and their team would look at it and say, you got to change this, this, and this, but the printer would, the publisher would still go to print whether, you know, the, with the errors in the text, if there are errors. What this accompaniment model is, is we actually have somebody assigned from the USCCB office that's working with us, where we finish a chapter, we send it to them. They give us feedback on it, and we make the adjustments so that when we, we would go to print, it, it's been seen by the experts at the USCCB, and you know that it's been approved. And I just want to say the bishops have been magnanimous and, and uh, incredibly attentive to they want the curriculum, the content to match the catechism of the Catholic Church. That's a given. And, you know, I'll tell you, that's that's great. Uh, it, like, it wasn't that always a given, it. though, I'd say. That yeah. is it. Because I say this on the show all the time, Ben. I'll be honest with you. Being a Catholic is painting by numbers. It's all written down. It really is. A lot of the confusion shouldn't exist. It, it prima facie, read the document, read it. It speaks for itself. What what's what's confusing? Like what you just said, it's in the catechism. Read it. You either accept it or you don't. And and that has to be taught. 
Really? Because, uh, again, I'll use my life. I grew up, a lot of Italian guys, Polish guys, Filipino guys, Irish guys. We all went to Catholic school. Contraception is a given. It's a given. People don't even think about it. People vote on abortion like it's nothing. It's not. This was not taught. It simply wasn't taught. And it's all written down, receiving in the state of grace. We all know how to read. You don't have to be a banker to know how to read. It's in the catechism. And this has goes back to basics. Baltimore Catechism. I'm not saying we got to use the Baltimore Catechism. I believe in the church in its fullness. John Paul wrote a catechism, 1992. Read it. It's in there. Read it. You know, this is ha this has to be taught. And and to be honest with you, if it's not, then we get what we get. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Like and, and, yeah. And I say, and not only taught, and it, which that's what our curriculum does, but actually the reasons for why we believe. Beautiful. These things. I love it. I love yeah. it. And we have yeah. those answers as Catholics. Yes. Why don't we believe in contraception? Why is a right. married couple open for life? Why is abortion a sin? Why does same-sex marriage lower the standard of what marriage truly is and hurt a society? Why is in vitro a sin? Why is cloning wrong? We have these answers. The smartest people in the room. Ben, you're one of those people. You are one of the smartest people in the room. And I'm the I, only person in this room. That, no, I'm the only person in this room that I'm recording. So, <laughs> no, thank you. It's kind. No, I think it's right. Before, it, it, before it, it, we were, we lived in a society where the church says do it, and I'll do it, and that worked. Right? The pray, pay, and obey, and that worked. And we could, you know, it, it seemed to have worked where people stayed Catholic. We're living in a society now. We we want people to know the reasons why they why something, and we have the answers, as you mentioned, Joe. Like we have the answers for why the church teaches something, and so equipping the students and the teachers. Right, this is a key part of our program as well. Is we have material for the teachers. We're trying to form the teachers in the faith if they have a lack there, or the catechist. That's you know, father's like, I need a second grade catechist. It pulls you know Susie out of the the pew and said, you're teaching second grade. They can take this text and teach from it. And they will be formed themselves in the faith if they aren't formed. And we also have a parent portal. So we have this learning management system, this digital uh, portal, where we have resources for the parents. So the parents can get formed in the faith at the same time, because if the parents are being formed in the faith, the whole thing's bust. We could have kids that are passionate about going to First Communion, and they want their Second Communion, but the parents aren't interested in going to Sunday Mass, so they don't, they don't get their Second Communion until weeks later when the church, you know, their school goes to back to Mass or something. But we really need to get the parents on board in supporting what their kids are learning, or, you know, forming them so they can support what their kids are learning in the classroom. So that's a key part, I'd say, a distinctive of our curriculum as well. Dr. Ben Akers is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're discussing reinvigorating Catholic education. One of the things, Ben, that uh, Catholic education is known for, see, we're not Protestant. We don't believe that you can't learn anything outside of Scripture, okay? Um, we believe Scripture to be the greatest book, okay? But it's not the only book, all right? God has spoken to humanity through, in a number of different ways, okay? Whether it be Greek philosophy, whether it be through the great, great books that have spanned thousands of years, okay? Catholic Church uses that because we find you, we find valuable things in those, okay? What? How important is it to emphasize a great book's 
curriculum. I know it. I know it's eating all prep. We read the great books. We, we freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year, you had to read Shakespeare, a new Shakespeare play every year. You started with Merchant of Venice, you ended with Othello in, in your senior year as it got a little bit more difficult, right? And 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 so many things in between. How important is that, Ben Akers? Yes, you say that uh, there's a great quotation from St. Augustine. He's just part of a tradition of others saying it as well. But wherever there is truth, it is Christ. So wherever you find truth in the world, it reveals to us something about Christ. So as you mentioned, Greek philosophy, great literature in the in Western civilization. And I think we're seeing a revival uh, of this classical education movement because we see that it opens people to awe, to wonder, to, to ask questions about the world, and to believe that the world— through literature, through you know, through looking at the cosmos, through the creator, it reveals something to us that it's something that we can learn outside of ourselves. So it places us at a disposition towards outside, right? That there's a world outside, and that this world is is trustworthy, it's authentic. We can we can receive and be formed by it. And so I, I think that I, I look forward to this great my my kids, as I mentioned, uh, classical education school that we went to K through eight. We're trying to do that at our homeschooling as well, is to introduce them to Greek history, Roman history, and my kids are like, why are we learning the Egyptian gods? And well, this is going to be important when we get to the Exodus, and we talk about this as a family because God is striking each of the Egyptian gods at the heart, showing that they really aren't gods, that he is one God. And this, these are important things. So I think we're seeing a revival of that. Um, and, and if I could you know, give a sneak peek of phase two, phase three of what we're looking at, because we're just launching Word of Life K through eight now, is we are going to have ways to incorporate this with schools that are based in classical education, because we do think that this revival is going to take hold and, and grow within the United States. Yeah, I, I, I think you you have to be completely blind or oblivious if you can't see the difference between let's just take let's take uh, 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 drama, okay? Just take plays, okay? If you look at let's say what's come before, not that everything in the past was great, and not that everything currently stinks, okay? But generally speaking, when you when you think about let's say the difference between reading Hamlet and no offense to David Mamet and reading American Buffalo. If you can't see the beauty in one and kind of a degradation in the other, but that represents modern drama. Okay, again, nothing against David Mamet. Okay, um, and I've read American Buffalo. I've acted in American Buffalo. But the point is, this is this is what we have to try to tell people. What do you want? What do you want your kids? What would you rather your kids be reading? Merchant of Venice or or Hamlet, or let's say for argument's sake, American Buffalo and some of the other nonsense that get, that 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 is passed as as let's say modern drama i i mean and and i'm glad you said that, that we're getting back to that yeah i think i think what we see in this great literature you know every great literature fiction or nonfiction, shows us a mirror right it, it's a mirror looking back on ourselves it shows us something about ourselves but is also a call almost a window to what we can become that I don't, I don't have this virtue, but I'm seeing this virtue played out, or this vice, you know, that that this decision that Hamlet makes, not so good, and look at the consequences of it. So that's what great literature does. It's a mirror to ourselves and also a window to what we can be. And this is what scripture does. This is what we're hoping to do with our religious education program. And and uh, I, I really hope I'm very optimistic that we're going to see a revival in this because this is what parents want, right? If you if you could just have this conversation with a parent and they have that choice, they're like, oh yeah. And look at all the great influence, you know, all the references in Hamlet or in uh, Shakespeare, for example, to scripture. Like you need yeah. to know the scripture story 
so that you can understand some of these references that we see in this great literature. So really to see how influential Western civilization is, uh, how much scripture is to Western civilization literature. Joe Restinello, I hope you don't mind. I want to ask a quick follow-up question, if that's okay. Ben, let me ask you this. Beauty, okay? Not just in the great books. Art, uh, you know, painting, sculpture, um, music. Um, how is that, if any, how is that being incorporated into your curriculum? Yeah, so one of the things that we have in, in, every, uh, in every unit that you'll see is we have a section devoted to sacred art. So sacred art, that is, uh, it's an art, uh, a piece of art, uh, usually visual art, that has been part of the tradition, and we explain it. We also have videos that relate to that. So the cool, the videos are cool. You kind of, you walk in like you're in a museum, and then it zooms in on a piece, and then we highlight the different, you know, this is the angel. The angels were used in art for this, and this image of the Magi are coming, and they're dressed in this garb, and you know, these kind of, we highlight different aspects of it. So we think that art, uh, the way, beauty is a key way of teaching the faith, where if you listen to a beautiful piece of music, it just opens your mind in a different way. So we are incorporating art. That's an important part of our curriculum is to incorporate beauty. So you're going to see the way it's le- the way it's laid out. It's, it's clean. It's easy to use for the student and for the teacher as they're looking at the text. We've even commissioned uh, artwork just for this work. So we've paid artists to come up with artists for saints and for the stories that we're telling that you'll find in the textbook. So it, it was a very important principle for us as we put the curriculum together when i was uh when i was looking at the the school that i mentioned that my wife teaches at and my my son is at the charter school i knew that's where i wanted him to be when the first thing you see when you walk into the lobby is a huge painting on the wall and it's the school of athens okay Mm -hmm. i said okay that's where i want him to be joe resinello go ahead ben if i was in charge at a diocese of hiring like a curriculum I would look to you, and I'm being honest, and one of the driving reasons why is your teachers believe in the church. That's key. That's key. You believe in the mission of the church. What the church teaches, I believe. That's the creed, right? Before we receive the Eucharist, what do we do? I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. If we don't believe, what can't we do? We can't receive because we don't believe. That means you can't teach. If you don't believe, you shouldn't be teaching in the Catholic school, and your people believe it. And if I'm hiring somebody, I'm going to ask that question in an interview. Do you believe in what the church teaches? And your people do. Why is that important? Great question, and, and I want to g- get a shout out to our graduate school. So the Augustine Institute started as a graduate school, and we still continuing as a graduate school. We have 450 students, 50 that are on campus, 400 that are distance education around the world, that are studying the church's teaching under the auspices of the new evangelization of the way that the church has asked us to answer the t- the needs of the time in which we live, and we actually get calls from parishes, we get calls from bishops, even and dioceses and administrators saying, can you know, can you post this job listing to your graduates? Because like we like you said, Joe, they they trust what we've produced in teachers, and this is why the teachers are so important. Not only the Catholic school teachers. That, now we have to do really uh, the best job with Catholic school teachers to get people, men and women, who believe. But English, history, that, that's where most of the formation takes place. If I was to venture in high school and, and middle school is is the English teacher's offhanded remark about a, the church is going to sink into the minds of the students. 
the Catholic school teacher who teaches religious education, they have to be a true sign. They have to be a light to these students. We have so many counter signs in this counter witness, and that's just being a hypocrite. And no one likes hypocrites, and Jesus has really strong words about hypocrites. And so I, I, wouldn't, I don't know why someone who doesn't believe what the church teaches would actually want to teach religion in particular, because it just feels like they'd be going to they work want to change it, Ben. Be, no. Honestly, my opinion, right. I've taught yeah. RCIA. They want to change it. That's why they're there. I'm telling you I right know. now. And that's where no, we Jesus have to had, put our foot down. Yeah. No, sorry. That's not for you. No, that's right. And as Jesus says about the millstone around one's neck, like if you leave one of these little ones, little ones, not just like little aged ones, that too, but little ones to the faith in RCIA. Those are like the, the new babies, if you will, if into the faith uh, through RCIA. And so, yeah, it's uh, was the famous quotation from Pope Paul VI, Pope St. Paul VI, where the world today doesn't need as many teachers as it needs witnesses. And if the witnesses teach is because they're witnesses first and foremost. So we really do need those men and women whose minds and hearts have been converted to the church and the church's teaching that are passionate for our Lord, passionate for sharing that good news with others. And this is actually what will change the world. Not only the teachers, but also I'd say the parents. We need parents that are the same. We need parents that aren't giving counter signs to their children. It's like, hey, we send you to Catholic school. We think the Catholic school church teaching is important, but we don't live it in our own life. We don't go to Sunday mass every Sunday, or we are contraception, or we're divorced and remarried. So really the, the counter sign is really the biggest problem, I think, to communicating the truths. You know and what, just you, for the your record. program, I just want to say your program is based on scripture. In from what I'm hearing, is I am the vine, you are the branch. I have found in my own mm -hmm. life, I'm 52 years old. You don't have to have the best PowerPoint presentation to bear fruit for the Lord. Stick to the program. Stick to the program. Orders that do that get vocations. Churches, parishes that do that are packed. Stick, and that's what you guys are doing. You're sticking to the program. I don't have a new idea. I, I'm not interested in your idea. That's my. I'm from New Jersey. I'm not interested in your idea. I'm interested in God's idea. <laughs> Joe, Joe, we gotta go. <laughs> We're at the end. Hey, uh, Ben Akers, I'm gonna tell you this, Joe. Just for the record, Joe Racinello got kicked out of RCIA, and I was about to be kicked out of RCIA. I wound up leaving voluntarily because I, I, you know, um, and all, all, all for basically what you said. I want to emphasize that real quick before we go. Is yes, what's said by a teacher is going to sink in. And what's said in RCIA, and especially with kids, all right, high school age kids, you say something, it's going to sink in. So you better make sure what you're saying is correct. Ben, real quick, one more time, where can our audience learn more about what you have going on? Yes, come and check out our Word of Life curriculum. It's the Augustine Institute and Ignatius Press uh, co-producing this at wordoflifeseries.org, wordoflifeseries.org. Excellent. Dr. Ben Akers, thank you for com coming on the show. You are welcome here anytime, brother. This was a great conversation. Uh, thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun. Absolutely. And thank you all out there for joining us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Download the app, the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app, so you have access to all of our station's content. And hey, if you like what Joe and I do, two primary places on social media you could find us, The Frontline with Joe and Joe on YouTube and at with Joe and Joe on Twitter. We're really trying to build up our Twitter presence at with Joe and Joe on Twitter. And thank you so much for supporting us. Thanks again to Dr. Ben Akers. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>